Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into the Bear Den. I'm Matt Working. As always, I'm joined by Joe Goodman. Joe, how are you doing today? I am. I, I've got that like day after Christmas feeling where we we got we got to watch real football yesterday, and now I just kind of like I want real football to come back again. Oh yeah, you know, like it was. We we really did have. It was a good week zero. Yeah, it was a fun it, it was it was a fun fun week zero. Like it was goofball games that you probably won't care all that much about later on in the year. And what I'll say was like a super really good and also hilarious football game between probably the two biggest names that were playing. Oh yeah. What was your um how did you partake? Did you have like all day or was it just on in the background how how did your week zero go so i watched uh nebraska northwestern in its entirety got to sit down and watch that full game then i had to do some dad stuff and then i actually went and met up with a co-worker um and had a couple of drinks and watched um what did we have on we had like the duquesne florida state game on yeah uh the florida a&m north carolina game on um, and then when I got home, I ended up watching a little bit of the Vandy Hawaii game, but not all of it. Yeah, that was kind of what I was doing. So I did the early game, Nebraska Northwestern. I pretty much watched that, you know, in its entirety. And then I went into it. I kind of skipped around a little bit and had things to do. You know, we're in the process of moving. So it's like I was doing a lot of stuff around the house. And then took my daughter to the movies came back home watched i think i was i think i watched a lot the majority of it i watched the the unt utep game in its entirety i didn't yeah i didn't get to see any of that one apparently i have it like i have a samsung tv and they have that like samsung tv plus like which is just like streaming channels mm-hmm. 
apparently stadium's one of those. So I had it on that. That's how I watched it. <laughs> gotcha. I watched, I got to the other game that I watched pretty much in its entirety was the, the North Carolina, Florida A&M game. Yeah, there were Which a lot of for a while was a game. Yeah. Um, I watched a little bit of the UNC um Vambu game, Florida AM. Yep. And I was mainly intrigued because I knew they were down like 20 players and they were still gonna play that game. Right. The they Florida yeah, A&M they were side. down a bunch of kids in that game from eligibility. And they I, I was reading that they were gonna do a vote. Uh, to see if they would even play the game because a lot of the players that were eligible didn't want to play with other teammates. Yeah. And I saw somebody mention that like they're if they voted to not play their athletic director would mention that this game represents 10% of their entire athletic budget. So and that's where my, there was my basically no way they weren't going to play this game. I was like, they're going to play the game because otherwise yeah, they can't fund the rest of their athletics. Right. If they don't, this is a this money game. game for them yeah. purely. Yeah. They have to go. And then for a while there, it was like, they were, you know, for, you know, they scored 24 points. I mean, being down 20 players and still putting up that many points, my first thought was, I don't know if that bodes well for UNC defense. They were only down 11 going into the fourth quarter, too. So they lost yeah. They lost the game 56-24, but it was, what, 35-24 going into the fourth quarter. It yes, was It was so. a game. And that, I was watching that. Like, I, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched, like, that first part of it, and they were like, man, they're going, like, punch for punch with UNC. And so I don't know how good UNC actually is going to be, but I think if – perhaps if uh, Florida A&M had, would have had their full complement of – because I think some of the 20 were starters. It was three three starters that they were out. I mean, but they, that's yeah. a lot of depth that you're missing. Yeah, I mean, they, there's – they, I, I was more impressed, I think, coming out of that game with Florida AM than with UNC. Yeah, I, you know, UNC pulled away as they should have at the very end, but I was impressed with Florida AM. And it was, it was a, it was a, depth, it was a fun also. football game for three quarters. That pulling away kind of speaks to the depth on the Florida AM side. For but sure. UNC just had the depth and the fresh legs that they could do that. But I think the, the bigger story of the day, though, of the other game that you and I both watched in full was the Nebraska loss to Northwestern. Yeah. Um, I don't think uh, Scott Frost is, is uh, long for uh, Nebraska. He will be there at least until October 1st because his buyout gets okay, cut in half. Nice. Yeah, his buyout gets cut in half after October 1st. So if they were to fire him today, they'd owe him $15 million. After October 1st, they only owe him $7.5 million. So it would be stupid to fire him now. You just, if it, yeah. if you're going to suck for the first half of the season, who knows? Maybe they, you know, we both we both picked them to beat Oklahoma. Yeah, I still don't know if that's a bad pick yet or not. I haven't seen Oklahoma play yet this year. And um, Nebraska felt like the better team for the better portion of that game. And then they just Nebraska it. Yeah. So and I, people talk about the onside kick. I don't, I don't hate the onside kick. Actually it was dumb, but it wasn't as, it wasn't as like as backbreaking. It's as, yeah. The essentially they gave up 30 defense. yards. They gave up 500 yards of offense yeah. to Northwestern to Helinski. Yeah. To, to, you know, who, 
And let's be honest, I think Northwestern was very smart. They just took what the defense gave them the whole time. And then they gashed them in the running game. Nebraska looked gassed in that fourth quarter. They they really looked like they were not conditioned. And I I think, you know, they had some good drives. You know, the first drive, they looked really good. Um, and Case Thompson at times looked really good. But then at other times, he looked like Casey Thompson, which is like – yeah, that was Casey Thompson from last year. Yeah, there were times where you're like, "Oh, this guy's a great quarterback," and then there were times where like, "Ooh, there's." Well, there some are also holes positive in plays where like you're throwing up a prayer, and it worked out. Yeah, but that's not always going to be the case, and you're kind of going to have the same situation you had with Adrian Martinez at Nebraska, where you're just going to throw these crazy balls up in the air, and it's not always going to work out in your favor. Right, especially not against what was a very fundamentally sound Northwestern team, as they normally are. Which they have a and they they lost um some very good players to the draft, but their their secondary is still really solid. Northwestern secondary is really good. I was I was highly impressed with their um offensive line, which our our offensive line coach Eric Mateos uh, was as well on Twitter. And I was very impressed with their running backs. Um I think I think they they just punished Nebraska throughout that game and and by the time the fourth quarter rolled around the front seven of Nebraska's defense wanted nothing to do with Northwestern's offensive line and running backs. And that's, that's where the game was won and lost. It wasn't one and lost in that onside kick, which I think yeah. dumb, but not as backbreaking as most people are making it sound. Um, yeah. Overall, I think, I think Nebraska just, they're not in shape. I think I felt like they weren't in shape. They didn't make good decisions and they don't have a killer instinct. And that's, been Nebraska's MO for five years. That's Scott Frost's MO at Nebraska. It's just no different. Yeah, I was thinking about because because I'm a sicko. I was thinking about this today about Scott Frost. And I was like, he he has to be a good coach because it's hard to go 12 and 0. And he took you um UCF and they went 12 and 0 that I think it was 2017. And you know, had a, you know, beat an SEC team in the bowl game. You know, they had a good, you can say what you want if they wanted to be there or not, but they were still a talented Auburn team that they defeated. Um, you, you don't, I don't know if you don't go from that kind of level of a coach with that kind of success to, to the team that he took over to the team that they, he, he kind of coached them to be, you're not just, you're not a bad coach. So I don't know what it is about Nebraska because I mean, he's not the only one that can't get it done there. No, he's not the only one that can't get it done. But I mean, a lot of the stuff that you're talking about him, you could have said to Tom, uh, said about Tom Herman. A lot of the stuff that sure. you're saying about him, you could have said about Charlie Strong. Um, so like Willie Taggart. Um, who was the guy who was the Buffalo coach that everybody liked for a long time and that didn't pan out. But I mean, I feel like there's those are the guys that exist every year. And there's a difference between being able to make it at a mid-major, which UCF was at the time. Um, they're about to be a Big 12 school, and, and things will be a little bit bigger for them. But yeah. let's be honest. When Scott Frost was there, they weren't, you know, it wasn't like coaching at Nebraska. And Maybe there's... They, they should hire. I'm just... This is just real time coming to my head. They should really... Uh, depends on how things go in Carolina for Matt Rule, but I think he he's the one guy that has come from group of five level and turned a program around, took a down program, turned them around in quick succession. So I have heard Matt rules name thrown around 
a number of times for this job in the last day or so. Which it's really funny because again, they're not Frost isn't getting fired anytime soon, and and there won't be a verdict on Matt Rule for yeah he has a job. Uh, for six yeah. months. But the the issue I see there, like let's say it happened where let's say Rule has another bad year in Carolina and he gets he gets let go. Or he just decides he wants to go back to college. The latter, I think, there's almost well, we a zero. Carolina like fired their GM who hired Matt Rule. I, I'm aware, but so. he, if if he does well this year, they're not going to fire him. Like if Carolina, no, no, no if, absolutely not. No, so I'm, I'm I'm not planning on them doing well. So I mean, that's where I'm 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 working off that assumption. Fair enough. I mean, but let's just say we assume Matt Rule gets let go. Um, he's fired in Carolina, and he decides like, okay, I'll take the Nebraska gig. The issue I see there is I think he's just going to be Bo Pelini for them again. And that wasn't good enough for them because Matt rule in the three years that he coached at Baylor never once won a top 25 game. Yeah. Like he, he, he did great things of turning our program around. And I think he could go to Nebraska and they wouldn't have embarrassing losses like this. They would, they would have a much more competitive killer instinct to win close games. Um, I think they would be a regular seven to 10 win team. And I'm not saying he wouldn't be able to beat top 25 schools there, but I don't yeah. think that Matt rule would go to Nebraska and turn them into 1997 Nebraska. No. And I think they still think they deserve that. And so if let's say rule goes there, they're going to get five years of nine and three. And that's what Bo Pelini did. And they ran him out of time. I think what he could do is could just based on the, now, I don't know what they're going to do division wise in the future, but I'll just currently, if they're in that, that their division, he could turn them into like, we're going to win the division every year and get probably demolished by whoever comes out of the other division, Ohio state, Michigan, whoever, but you could be the, you know, the front runner, the perennial representative for your division. Again, like I'm not sure what they're going to do in the future, if they're going to have divisions, but, I think he could turn him into that because it is a weaker division. So you, and like you, you talked about, he won some games at Baylor. He did. A, I love what he did for Baylor. Didn't win a top 25 game. I don't think maybe one. No, he, he in his tenure, he didn't. Cause he, didn't. he lost okay. to Oklahoma both times in our good year. So, I mean, and Texas that. wasn't ranked when we beat them. And I, I think at Temple, he may have done it once or a few times. So I, I think they did. And again, well, no, he only had two was... years of guys that he recruited at. True. Like, um, but like we said, he he currently has a job. Um, he he plans on doing his best job at Carolina. The I other thing here, him... Matt, is uh-huh. the other thing here, Matt, is say he gets fired, Scott Frost gets fired. That's we're not. That's not a vacuum. There's yeah. there, there's no guarantee that. James Franklin doesn't move on from Penn State, True. you know, which is where Matt Rule will go before anywhere else. Or yeah. another another big name program opens up because of the coaching carousel. And we've seen we just watched Brian Kelly leave Notre Dame. Yeah, we've seen coaches leave after one year at plenty of other places. So, yeah, Nebraska is not in a situation anymore where they can assume they can get who they want because you you get offered the Nebraska job. You start you have to ask yourself is this a job that I really want to take? Yeah. I mean, there's also the point where they could win Carolina, that is, and he could just decide he's 
he's more about that college life, right? He could. I don't see that happening. He's wanted to be NFL since day one. So, yeah. So, and, yeah, and he's he's getting paid. Well the other thing is, even if he gets fired from Carolina, and he could he could get offered a number of different positions to stay in the NFL too. Like he sure. could take an assistant gig in the NFL over being a college head coach again, just because he wants to be in the pros. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, but we'll have to see. That's all going to, that's a future conversation. Yeah. we. Yeah. That's a long way down the road, but yes, I, I, to, to answer the original question. Yeah. I have seen, um, I've seen Matt rules name thrown around for that. Um, but it was an interesting week zero for sure. Yeah. But it's not going to be anything near as exciting as week one will be that we have coming up. Um, sure. Unlike this weekend where we only had games running on Saturday this week, we have games Thursday, Friday and Saturday, Matt. Yeah, this is kind of the best. I think opening weekend, like week one opening weekend is probably the best weekend in college football. This and bowl season. Yes. When, when you've got when you got those extra days where the you're holidays. taking off from work. So like, yeah. Cause it's like, you have bowls like every day, like Tuesday, there's yeah. a bowl, Thursday, Wednesday. I like this one in regular season, just because it starts, like you said, on Thursday and goes like through Monday. Right. Starting at five o'clock on Thursday, we have football nonstop during non-working hours, basically until Saturday night, because we've got, the 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 week kicks off with St. St. Francis and Akron um at five o'clock. Friday we kick off what time? Friday we kick off at six o'clock, Western Michigan and Michigan State. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a weekend of games. What is the one that you were most looking forward to watching? Across across college football. Across college football, all three days. If you could pick out which one besides the Baylor game, of course. Yeah. So I'm thinking, isn't, let me look. So the big game, isn't that like Ohio State Notre Dame in in that week one? It is. Yeah. I would say, I got to look. Let me pull up the schedule because I got to really. I'll tell you what mine is. So Ohio State Notre Dame, that's the easy one. That's the, that's the easy answer. 6.30 p.m. on ABC. It's the primetime game. It's going to be at the Horseshoe in Columbus. It's going to have all the pomp and circumstance and the, the primetime cameras. It'll probably be 4K somehow um, on some channel somewhere. But I'm picking a Thursday game that I'm most excited about. The Backyard Brawl, West Virginia versus Pittsburgh, 6 o'clock on ESPN. Um, this is a rivalry that has not been played in a very long time. Pitts a seven and a half point favorite in it. Um, and I think this is going to be a really defining game for West Virginia's season. Yeah. So that is probably that I would probably have gone that direction as well, but I'm going to go a different direction. So I'm just, I think I'm going to probably go Oregon, Georgia. Oh, okay. That's a, that's a number 11, Oregon, number three, Georgia. And that is a Saturday 2.30 on ABC games. So that's a outside of the Ohio State Notre Dame, which is, a, I think, probably the biggest game. I want to see if there is any step back in Georgia after they lost pretty much their whole defense to the NFL draft and what Oregon looks like with um, new head coach Dan Lanning coming from Georgia as a defensive coordinator last year for that team. And then uh, 
former Baylor safeties coach Matt Matt Pallage. He's co-DC at Oregon. So it's I'm interested to see what the Oregon defense looks like and what the Georgia defense looks like. We're having to replace so many um, dynamic players. I, that's a great that's a great call. I think that'll be a very interesting game. Um, does is there just even not from the losses alone, but is there just any kind of Georgia national championship hype hangover? Yeah. Um, what Stetson Bennett? What Stetson Bennett look like um, coming off where he's he's no longer the underdog story, even though you're the starting quarterback at Georgia. It's hard to be an underdog, but um, yeah, no longer the underdog lot. story. Now he's he's yeah. the hope. He's what everybody. There's expectations there for him. And you don't have that security blanket as no. much as it was with uh, right. Daniels moving on as well. So, um, another one that I'll throw out there that that I'm I'm excited about that I think may be one of the more competitive games, um, or at least it'll give us an idea of another playoff team from last year, and if they have any hangover from um, the personnel that they lost, and that's Cincinnati and Arkansas two thirty on Saturday. Um, on ESPN. So that's 23 Cincinnati yeah. versus 19 Arkansas. Um, is Arkansas as good as they were last year? Was that just a flash in the pan? Um, how much is Cincinnati going to miss Desmond Ritter behind or under center? So um, there's a lot of question marks, I think, in that game. It's at Arkansas. Um, and it's also a nice little AAC slash future Big 12 team going on the road to the SEC. So let's see um, how Luke Fickle does and if he can pull out a victory there. Yeah, and in that same same vein, I'm also very intrigued by the BYU South Florida game for mm. a couple of reasons. BYU, of course, we play them week two. Also, they're going to be a future Big Twelve school, but they're playing South Florida, who has last year's starting quarterback Gary Bohannon as their starting quarterback. So, a couple different um, things going on in that game, which I'm be interested to see how it turns out. Yep, that's that's a that's an easy circled game right there because it also should be a pretty good game. Yeah. Um, now, we mentioned that there's games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but there are also apparently games uh, Sunday and Monday this week in college football. T- taking a little bit of the NFL pie on Sunday, ABC six thirty, we've got Florida State LSU. Florida State looked pretty competent yesterday against lowly Duquesne. It is Duquesne. Um, no, I I think they looked way better than they ever looked. They looked last year. This is true. Yeah, they 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 got point. depth at running back. It looks like they've got a decent offensive line. Quarterback looked good. Mm-hmm. And this is an unranked LSU team with first year coach Brian Kelly coming off of kind of the um, mess of a season that was LSU last year. Uh, if there's ever an opportunity for Florida State to look like they're back. This could be the start of that. Go in and, you know, you go into New Orleans. It's a neutral site game, quote unquote, but pretty much a home game for LSU. But it is not in Death Valley. Florida State fans do travel well. Um, So I think that should be an interesting game on Sunday. And then LSU name a starting quarterback. Did you see that? I haven't seen if they have yet or not. They I don't know if they're doing the Michigan thing. Well, I knew like Miles Brennan retired, basically retired from football. He didn't right. get the starting job. It was between Jalen Daniels, Arizona transfer, and then Nussmeyer. I think it's Garrett Nussmeyer, who son of Doug Nussmeyer, NFL coach. So let me see if they have a starting QB. 
drum roll in the background. Miles Brennan retired from football, gets to keep all of his NIL money. Great move by him. Oh, yeah. So I don't see anything where it has listed that. Yeah, I don't believe I've seen LSU pick their quarterback yet. Yeah, four days ago, it said he's close to naming a starting quarterback. Yeah, Brian, just don't don't get excited about any excitement, LSU fans. Brian Kelly is going to be boring. Um, but that's Sunday, so NFL yeah. turf there. And then Monday, seven o'clock. I guess there's no Monday night football in Week One. Is it um, Week One? Is they do they start this this Sunday? Yeah, they do because this was okay. the last preseason week. Yeah, true, true. Um, but Monday, September fifth, ESPN. So this is Labor Day. Um, Clemson and Georgia Tech. So that should be an absolute bloodbath should be and that's a good it'd be a good game to watch because you're really going to get your barometer on clemson because there's some question marks are they are they still down yeah is dj youngley going to keep his starting job okay he was shaky last year he was and you remember their little kickoff game against georgia last year nobody wanted to win that game it felt like oh yeah so it, does Clemson start slow again? I think they got much better last year as the year went on. Was that 14-3, 7-3, that game? Yeah, it was something like that. It was it was like, like defensive scores, like there's no offensive scores. Yeah, it was a, an interception return for a touchdown yeah. that I think was the like game-winning score. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Does Clemson start fast again, or does the shine start coming off of, of what yeah. everybody thinks of them? Because they are a place, and I think – both coordinators because yeah, Venables, Venables left. left and then the offensive coordinator went to South Florida. No, he went somewhere. Hmm. I forgot where he went, but yeah, he's losing. We lost both coordinators. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out and how Dabo manages that. Excellent. Well, that's all the non Baylor games for week one. What about, 6 p.m. Saturday night in Waco on Big 12 Network slash ESPN Plus. Matt, what are your thoughts about the Baylor Bears facing off against the mighty Albany Great Danes? Um, I'm very glad to have Baylor football back um, on the Brazos, back on your television screen. This game shouldn't be very compelling, though, because Albany... Is a replacement opponent. I think we had like Louisiana Tech. We had Louisiana Tech, and they canceled at the last minute after. um, Oh, what's the name? Uh, Sonny Cumbie. Sonny Cumbie. I was about to say Sonny Dykes, and I knew that wasn't correct. Sonny Cumbie took over, and they rescheduled with an SEC school. I want to say. I want to say maybe it was Auburn. Maybe, or Missouri. Maybe. Um, But yeah, I believe. I think. I think you're right. It may. It may have been Missouri. but they rescheduled. They pulled out of that game with us. We had to find a last-minute replacement, and we ended up with Albany. My hope was that we were going to play somebody like James Madison, who is um, about to make the jump to FBS yeah, and, and has to play uh, a number of FBS games for a couple of years before they make the official jump. So I was kind of thinking James Madison would be the pick. Uh, ended up being Albany. There is not currently a line for this game, but... What I can tell you is that um, Albany, as an FCS school, um, is not good among those ranks. No, I think they were two and seven. 
or something of that nature. Correct. Year. They won. They won all of two games last year playing um, an FCS schedule. They only played one FBS team last year. It was a power five team. They played at Syracuse um, and Syracuse also not that great of a school last year, beat them 62 to 24 yeah. Syracuse. Not good. Yeah. So, and Syracuse beat Albany 62 to 24. Um, that was at the carrier dome indoors uh, in a controlled weather environment, um, but still also in the region where Albany is located. Syracuse also, um, Northwestern New York area. Um, but Albany is going to be coming down Labor Day weekend in Waco. It's going to be, yeah. it's going to be hot. Yeah, it's going to be hot. Um, so, I mean, maybe not that hot. I'm looking at the game time weather right now says a uh, high of 83. It, even if that's the case, it's going to be 95 on the field. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hotter than it is in Albany. That's a fact. Yes, and it will be much more humid than in Albany. Um, It's going to be a different environment. Plus, they will not have faced a team that has the athleticism and size that Baylor has in a very long time, if any of these kids ever have, because this this isn't them going to play at Syracuse. They're playing against one of the best offensive and defensive lines in the country. Yeah, it's it's going to be rough, rough day for them. I know. I know we have some people that listen to the podcast who hate ESPN's FPI. They hate football power index and tell us not to use it, but I've learned to hate it myself. So, but just as like the matchup predict predictor here, just to show you like how lot, this is a 98.5% win for beta. <laughs> so there's not yeah. even a line on it right now. I, if I had to guess, this line is probably 30 to 40 uh, if one does come out. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think not a possible loss. I don't think one's going to come out, honestly. Yeah, I, I don't think that if you I mean, there are degenerates out there. But so if you're putting money on Albany Baylor. You don't need to. Yeah. There's just yeah. there's, it, the line is going to be so big that it's I mean, I would almost put money on Albany. Just because the lines gonna be so big, like there's a chance that Baylor will only score. It may be like they may put all the like backup four stringers in, and it may be forty five to nothing. I, so, I, yeah, I could one hundred percent see this game being thirty one to nothing. Where, yeah, we're like we're we just people. like we don't even go out there and open the playbook. It's just we oh. we go out there, we don't put anything on tape yet, we don't show anything off. We we Absolutely. dominate with a base defense. We dominate with a base offense, happen. and we do what we got to do. And we just we don't care about running up the score. This is like, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Anything can happen. I'm, Florida State, while not as good as Baylor, they they lost the FCS like the last two years. So, not Albany, <laughs> not Albany. But um, so I will say this though, I do expect it to be completely vanilla as far as like offense and defense, we're not going to show really put, like you said, put anything on film and you're not going to see much of anything. It's like going to be a scrimmage basically for Baylor to work out whatever kinks they may be working out, maybe figure out who we're going to be our like running backs. You know, that's kind of like a question mark. Who's going to be our like one a and one B guys who are the wide receivers going to step up to make plays kind of just figure that stuff out, but you're not going to put a lot of, you know, you're not throwing out all the all the bricks at Albany. I am most excited 
to see plenty of Chiron drones action. Yes, because by all accounts, he's had like made like enormous progress from spring to fall and through fall. So, and they're very comfortable with him as the backup. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. We'll know a lot tomorrow. Um, they have the press conference on Monday. They usually release the depth chart, how that all looks. Um, but I, I fully expect, you know, drones to be the solidified backup quarterback. 100% agree there. Um, and it won't surprise me if this is one of those games where Blake Shapin only plays the first half, where we see we see drones and yeah. maybe even a, a third stringer for the third and fourth quarters at most it'll be like the first series of the third quarter then if they're done yeah at, I, the, I, at the most this but, is this is going to be it's yeah. going to be a welcome back to baylor football um football's back we're you know, you're gonna get to tailgate you're gonna get to go to the game yeah you get to talk to your buddies you're gonna get to cut it's gonna it this game should be reminiscent of um like 2014 like and 2013, you know, 2013 when we played Wofford. Like 69 nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, I wanted to go through, let's just like run through the big 12 as well. Just to see what we think about the games that they got going on this weekend. Um, you mentioned Thursday. There's a big game, West Virginia hit. Um, we kind of, we've gone through West Virginia's schedule and kind of did our predictions. I'm excited for this game just as much as you are a return to a, a classic rivalry, you know, campuses close to each other, towns close to each other. They really hate each other. So uh, I'm excited for that game, but also on Thursday you have Oklahoma state welcoming in central Michigan. Now, Joe, can you tell me what's significant about central Michigan and Oklahoma state? So is this the first time that they've played since Central Michigan stole a game from Oklahoma yes, State? Yes, it is. So this is the first time. So yeah, how I, what was that? Three or four years ago, did I yeah. can't remember exactly what happened, but it was something like Central Michigan got an extra down. I want to say something of that nature, and they um, uh, yeah, I think, I think or they got like Michigan an untimed got, like, down a or five down like series, that. and ended up winning the football game on the final drive because of it. Yeah. Because of some rule, so I don't know. I was watching the game, and I was amazed because I couldn't believe what I was watching because, you know, Oklahoma State had the game won. It was a close game, and it shouldn't have been, but it was a close game. Central Michigan was probably a pretty good group of five team that year. But they had it won, and then they were given another opportunity, and they won the game. Central Michigan won the game. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be it, – it, this isn't that Central Michigan team, maybe. No, no. Who knows? Um, Oklahoma state's favored by 20 and a half points. Uh, so not crazy worried. And I am in a charitable big 12 mood. So in the non-con, I am hoping that our big 12 brethren win, win football games. So I'm not rooting for central Michigan to do anything crazy. Go Oklahoma state, you know, don't embarrass the conference. So did you, um, what about the West Virginia pit game? That one, I think I, I, I think, Pitt. I think I Pitt. Pitt wins this game. Um, I, I wish, I wish West Virginia the best. And I know there is some of their fans out there on Twitter that are really expecting great things this year because of 
JT Daniels and whatever else. I, I don't think Neil Brown is the guy. Um, I think there's a reason that JT Daniels was not able to become the starting quarterback at USC was not able to beat out a walk-on to be the starting quarterback at Georgia. Um, there's a reason why he's at his third school. Um, and I don't think I, I I'm not impressed by Neil Brown. Um, and I think, I think Pittsburgh's just got a better squad. I don't know if Pittsburgh will end the year as high as they are right now in the rankings at 17, but I still think Pittsburgh's the better team. Um, and they will take this. Yeah, I would, I agree with that. And, um, what's interesting to me about this game is like, you mentioned JT Daniels and then Pitt named Keaton Slovis as a starter on their team. And they were both in the same quarterback room at USC a few years ago. Right. So it's a kind of a reunion of sorts. Um, Pitt is replacing a lot though. I mean, they, they, they lost their starting quarterback. They lost their Bolitnikoff award winning wide receiver to USC. Um, They lost their um, offensive coordinator to Nebraska though, based off of some of the calls that happened in that game last uh, on Saturday. I don't know if they'll miss him that much, but (laughs) um, yeah, that's Thursday though. Um, Friday, Matt, we've got Tennessee tech facing off against Kansas. 7 p.m. This one's also on Big 12 Network and ESPN Plus. No line in this game. Um, it's that'd be some serious degenerate behavior to bet Tennessee Tech and Kansas. So um, more power to the people that do. What do you what do you see happening in this one, Matt? You have Kansas starting the season off one and zero. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a FCS school. I think Kansas is going to be improved enough to defeat these types of teams. Yeah, and like we mentioned with Albany, Tennessee Tech is an FCS school, and they're a bad FCF school. They're better than Albany was last year. They did win three games, uh, but yeah, this is a very bad uh, Tennessee Tech team. They only played one FBS game last year, and it was at Tennessee. They lost 56 to nothing, um, and I'm sure that was because Tennessee totally foot, took their foot off the pedal, so um yeah, I agree with you. I think I think Kansas takes this one. All right. We are in agreement. Next up on Friday, we have uh, TCU traveling to Colorado. And that's a 9 p.m. Central Time kickoff on ESPN. TCU's favored by 11. This is an interesting game because I don't think any of these teams are, rel- are, are very good. They could be. You know, like bowl teams, or at least TCU, I think could be. I'm not. I'm not sure if they are, but um, it's really going to be a how for me anyway. It's a barometer of how bad is TCU. Yeah, and it, it Colorado doesn't have the worst defense in the world. They're not. They're certainly not great um, or good, but they could be worse. And. It will be interesting to see for me to see how Sonny Dykes' offense goes on the road in a weird body clock game, um, kicking off at 9 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, are they able to score a bunch of points in the altitude? Are they are they fit enough? Are they ready to go? Does Colorado get an uh, advantage because of the altitude? Um, is this a game, if it's close into the fourth quarter, Colorado might be able to pull out? Um, t- like you said, TCU's favored by 11. I would take the points for Colorado, but the money line for TCU, I think. 
Yeah. Like, I don't um, know if TCU will win this game by more than 11, but I think, I think yeah. they will win. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll win too. Um, but I wouldn't put money on this game probably. Yeah, I wouldn't bet it either, but there's, there is too many unknowns. Um, and if there is one, one game where I'm like, maybe they could lose their, their, their season opener as a big 12 team, it, it would probably be that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, we talked about the Baylor game, of course. Um, Iowa State plays Southeast Missouri State. To me, this is another – should be an easy win for Iowa State. However, we do have early season Iowa State isn't always the best Iowa State. Early season Iowa State's not always the best. You're talking about uh, a new running back, a new quarterback, uh, new tight ends, new people along the offensive line, um, some big replacements in the linebacker core. Um, still, uh, you still have Xavier Hutchinson out wide, um, one of the better wide receivers in the entire conference. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, Decker's the new quarterback for Iowa State. I think he's going to be pretty damn good. Um, I think uh, I think the last name of the new running back they have is is actually Brock. Um, and I think he's been pretty good. He he spelled Purdy a little bit last year. Um, but even though it's early season Iowa State, they're not going to, I don't, they don't lose this game. They may yeah. lose to Iowa, but they're not going to lose this game. So yeah, I, I take Iowa State. There's no line on this one either. Um, um, all right. Next up, we move up further into the afternoon. We have a, a fun one. We have uh, University of Texas at El Paso, UTEP, the Miners. Head to Norman, Oklahoma at 2.30. This is a, a national game on Fox. Oklahoma is favored by 31 and a half in this game. Uh, Brett Venables, first game as head coach. Are you taking Oklahoma to win? Or are you taking them to cover? What do you think? Um, I'm going to take them to win because I watched UTEP and they have a, they have a couple of problems, I think. Um but they also have some. They had some some good players. But I think our our friend uh, Shehan Jaraja, he said, like last year, they're either like run inside or just throw it, chuck it deep. Now that's kind of their offense. That's what they do. And I don't know if that's going to really bode well for them against Oklahoma. Um, that's a big number for me to take the cover. But um, I do think Oklahoma wins this one easily. I take the cover just because it's Jeff Levy's offense against a defense that's not sure. going to be able to stop it. Sure. It's at home. They're going to be in a friendly environment, and he's going to want to score as many points as possible to yeah, show off. I forgot about that. Yeah, I didn't. You're right. You're right. I would. I would reverse the and take the. Um, I would reverse my stance and say, it, even though it is a big number, I would take the cover just because I forgot about the Jeff Levy of it all. Yeah, and and Dylan Gabriel for that matter. Right, they're they they might they might be up thirty one nothing at halftime. Yeah, for sure. So it, that wouldn't surprise me. Um. All right. Next up, we start getting into the evening games. South Dakota heads to Manhattan, Kansas, six o'clock. Uh. This uh this game is also Big Twelve Network, ESPN Plus. South Dakota at Kansas State. No line for this one. I think you and I are probably in agreement here that, that Kansas State will just take this. Yeah. Yes. It's not. It's not a North Dakota school or even South Dakota state. Right. This is, this is the bad yeah. out of all the Dakota options. This is the bad one. Yeah. So you could go with North Dakota, North Dakota state or South Dakota state. 
and there'd be a question mark. You went with the one where the not good Dakota school. Right. The the one that can't seem to get it figured out. I think Kansas State wins this one easily. Yeah, I agree. All right, Joe. Your your boys from Lubbock. Murray State, yeah, my boys. Um, I don't foresee this being a uh, a game very yeah. long. The Murray State versus Texas Tech. I think um, I don't think I'll watch this game. When is it? It's probably the same time or as as Baylor, isn't it? Yeah, because it starts at seven on ESPN Plus. Baylor's at six on ESPN Plus, so I probably will not catch this game in live. Yeah, and, and plus, I. I mean, it's very likely I will be at the Baylor game. So, me as well. There's a high likelihood of that. Um, so, I do. This is going to get. I think this is going to probably get out of hand on the Texas Tech side with that offense. I think right? going against Murray State because just based on what Zach Keatley has done in the past and the kind of offenses he's run. Um. I am interested to see Tyler Shuck, though, and how he looks in this offense. Yeah, I I agree there. Um, I think this is probably going to be 49 to 14, maybe 56 to 14, that kind of score. Um, yeah, and they'll probably I think be Texas Tech early. will dominate it. It's right. kind of the same thing with um, like Oklahoma. Like I've, This could easily be like 31 nothing at half as well, or 31-7 something of that nature, and it ends up like you were talking about, like 49-14 or something like that. Right, where they just – they're just running halfback dive, head to the A-gap every single yeah. time because they don't care. They don't want to get anybody hurt. So, but, yeah, yeah Texas sure. Tech will win this game easily. Uh, then we close out the Big 12 weekend with the mighty Longhorns out of Austin, Texas, um, hosting the University of Louisiana uh, Monroe – can't even remember what their their mascot is anymore. Uh, they have War. UL Monroe coming into town. Are they the Warhawks? War. I don't remember what UL Monroe is. It, it, at any rate, they uh, <laughs> Texas is favored by thirty seven and a half points. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't see any. Um, I don't see any qualms about them winning this game i don't know if i'm going to take texas to cover a 38 point score though i don't know yeah, enough don't. about ul monroe well they were better last year however they were still not great overall in their con- especially in their conference um i just Ooh, I don't yeah they they were bad they were they were very bad last year. UL Monroe, they lost their last worse. one. They lost their last five games in a row. Uh, only one four games on the season. Yeah, and then that was improvement. Yeah, they did beat Liberty, which I'll give them credit for beating Liberty. That's that's quite nice. Anytime you can beat Liberty, that's good. Uh, they lost to Texas State. Um, they hung with LSU, interestingly enough, only lost by 13 to LSU. They had to, you know, really looking at their schedule, it was actually a pretty tough schedule. Um, 
considering who UL Monroe is. Uh, I still say Texas wins, UL covers. That's what I'm going to go with this game. So you're saying Texas covers or UL? UL no, no, you UL Monroe will, will cover. Uh, I'm taking the, I'm taking, uh, taking the underdog with the points here. But Texas, Texas will win the game. They just won't win by 38. Yeah, so I'm in agreement with that. I think, I think Texas offense is going to be pretty good. Um, it is. I know they have had some injuries as of late, um, wrapping up fall camp. So I don't know how good their offensive line is going to be. They're kind of limited in experience on wide receiver now as well. But we're talking about ULM, and I don't think they're really going to have an issue. They could probably they're probably gonna win by like 30, but I don't know if they're gonna they're they're not gonna I don't think they'll win by more than 37 and a half. So yeah, I'm agreed. in the same I, same boat. This is gonna be a 21 to 28 point win for them. Yeah, I uh I agree. All right, that is week one in the big 12. We got your Baylor Bears starting one and oh. We've got a lot of really, really fun games. Um, both in the Big 12 uh, with the backyard brawl, outside the Big 12 with stuff like Ohio State, Notre Dame. Um, very, very excited about our first full weekend of college football. But the other thing I'm really excited about every weekend now, Matt, is the uh, each episode that we'll get to watch of everybody's new favorite show, House of the Dragon. Yes. Um, I'm really excited about the it's like we all jumped back into it on because I don't know about you, but like I would always watch Game of Thrones with Twitter open and kind of reading everybody's tweets, firing off tweets of myself. And then it's kind of like you're a community event. And that's kind of what the, the biggest I am an that I after wa- watching. I'm an, I'm an after watching conversationalists. I, okay. I will live tweet about sports because there are, commercial breaks stops and play football football is really good to have as like a twitter vehicle because there's so many breaks in play in football that you can talk about things basketball is almost there it's not quite as good um but that's one of the i think one of the reasons it's so easy to engage with college football is the number of breaks that you have that you can get on your phone see what people are talking about and tweet out i don't do that with tv shows so after i'm done watching a show i'll hop on twitter see what everybody has said but um it is funny to me when i when i get on twitter after watching like tonight when i after i watched this episode and got on twitter uh seeing the live tweeting that was going on like here's a tweet from 33 minutes ago and the comment is like oh okay i remember this is the scene they must have been watching yeah um i'm more like i like i like to read people's tweets right and I didn't fire off too many or any, I think. I would do a lot of times I may do like a, a pregame tweet, like who's ready for some hot D. That's my favorite. But um yes, I do like to read people's takes on it and how they react in in real time. But I'm also like I kind of deep dive into fandoms and things like that. So after we record, I do the what we're doing. I'm probably going to hop on um, the YouTubes and see what people I'm sure there's some instant reactions, live streams going on. And I'm, I'll kind of dive into those type of like conversations after the fact, like you. Gotcha. Yeah, there is. I will listen to like later this week. 
I'll listen to the the Ross Mullen podcast, Oyster, Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, where they'll they'll talk about the episode. Sometimes I, I will listen to um, a couple of other Game of Thrones podcasts that existed that are kind of forming back up again now uh, that yeah. this has happened. Um, but that being said, we have watched episode two. This is instant yes. reaction. Spoilers um, the, for it, the, the first episode just came out or ended 58 minutes ago. Um, yeah. So spoiler alert. If you haven't watched episode two, this is the time to pause, go watch the episode, then come back. Um, and you can listen to the rest of the bear den Matt instant reaction. What were your thoughts about this second episode? Uh, I liked it. I, I want to say fresh off of it. I, I kind of liked it better than the first one. Okay. And well, let's go back. Let me barely, what'd you think about the, the, uh, intro? Okay. Glad you asked. That's, We had the stinger in the in the first episode yeah. where we didn't get a full Game of Thrones intro. You just got the Game of Thrones music, and then they threw the Targaryen sigil up. This episode, we we got our first taste of the new House of the Dragon intro, and similar to the Game of Thrones mold, it's kind of like this intertwining. What is pseudo mechanical? What do you do? You say what those things were that you know when they had the, the the blood would hit it and they would a mechanical yeah. function would work so and, before we get there what did you think of the blood because i i i i'm assuming that this is a reference to the book uh fire and blood which this yeah. series is based off of yeah that's um, what but i didn't really know if i liked the rendering of the blood it looked weird to me it it was a little bit well it was like watered down it was yeah i was about to say it wasn't as viscous as blood is so it it flowed too freely agreed it's like a river but like just but not like how blood would naturally flow is what i'm but you know Maybe it's fiery blood. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, no, I did not catch what I thought those little mechanical things were. It never clicked in my head to think that they, they would mean anything. I thought they were just kind of weird. At first I thought, are those like crowns of the like Targaryen Kings? Cause they all, I think they all had different crowns, but then one was just like a symbol. So I was like, I don't know what it is. So, um, but I couldn't figure it out. So I'm sure someone who's like deep into the lore, in, on a podcast or YouTube channel will know what they're talking about and enlighten me. But I mean, I dug it. It looked like it was very expensive. You know, the animation look, I mean, set aside the, the blood flowing, not like blood. Um, otherwise than that, it looks great. Yeah, it looks super cool. Um, it kind of had some strange kind of ending where there's just like different streams of blood that are like flowing yeah. into a pit with that's beneath the Targaryen sigil. I didn't think it was as cool or as poignant as the original series one felt because the way that one ended, it was all of the different houses, animals, yeah. what looked like facing off against a dragon, which is how we got to this point in the story. It was all of those houses got together, took down the dragon king. Yeah. And then 
had to figure out how to rule without the Targaryens around. So that's that's how that first one made sense. Like you said, I'm gonna have to look into it and see. But also, um, the first the one gave behind you kind it of like is, a, or if there's an idea of this land that we're not familiar with, where everything was at. Here's King's right. Landing. They had like here's where Winterfell is. Here's the map. So you kind of get of a awareness of like, okay, when they say the you know Winterfell, this is where it's located in relation to the rest of the our main spots. Excellent point. So I like I said, I I thought it was it was very cool visually um a lot of the stuff we're talking about i think is really nitpicky it was neat to see i was disappointed that it this show does not have its own theme song i I, i'm of two minds i thought they would kind of have a new theme but incorporate the the main title game of thrones because it's kind of like game of thrones universe right house of dragons it's all in the same the game of thrones proper um but like you know, kind of did with like Daenerys' theme had her own theme, but they incorporated the Game of Thrones theme in there. Um, so yeah, but I do love the Game of Thrones theme, so I'm not sad about it. The what I was thinking when I was watching it was with the blood, I thought, oh, I know what they're gonna do, they're gonna all do what they did and come together, coalesce at the Targaryen sigil, but their sigils like a red dragon on, on black. So I thought it was going to be like a red, the blood was going to f- go in and fill out the, the um, sigil, but uh, they didn't do that. They did something uh, weird. So, different. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what uh, people smarter than us have to say about it, but on the yeah. actual episode itself, uh, you said you liked it better than the first. Well, there's some parts like the, um, well, I will say this. My favorite parts of game of Thrones are, like the palace intrigue type stuff to where you it's all the the political machinations and things of that nature and you get a lot of that in this episode this is true um you also get some fun shows of force yeah uh a look into um where different people stand in court um Yeah, you get some good But I, I will say, yeah, um, lots of really creepy stuff that makes everybody around uncomfortable, such as uh, oh, the yeah. king legitimately contemplating marrying a 12-year-old, um, which does not end up happening, which was the big twist in, in the episode this week, Matt, where the king is offered the hand of the daughter of Corlys Valerian. Um, her name's what I believe, Lena. Yeah, I think so. Uh, well- yeah, something like that. Lena uh, Valerian, who is the king's second cousin, I believe is what she would be. The king's cousin's daughter. Yes, um, correct. This, everybody in the show tells him, would be the savvy political move. Uh, it would solidify his relationship with the Valerian family, who owns the largest and most expensive fleet in all of Westeros. Um, yeah, because Corlys would- Valerian is like the richest man. Correct. He would be. He would like be. I guess the Tywin Lannister of this of this era. Yes. Yes. So, it's smart to ally yourself to this person. Um, but at the end of the episode, what we do end up seeing is that the the king um, turns this opportunity down, and to everyone's big surprise, that hasn't seen any of the coming soon 
um, trailers, uh, chooses the daughter of the his hand, Otto Hightower, um, chooses his daughter, who is the best friend of his own daughter, um, to marry, which throws off a lot of things, was not a politically savvy move, um, does seem to have caused a rift between him and his daughter, um, and an absolute rift between him and Corliss Valerian, who we see go to Damon Targaryen at the very end um, and basically uh, start an alliance there, what it would seem to be behind the king's back. Yes. Um, and Damon has a great line whenever he's talking to Corliss because he says negative things about his brother. And then Corliss kind of joins in and he says, I can speak freely about my brother. You, you cannot, <laughs> which is just a, a great, that's a brother thing. So I can say what I want. It's my family. You cannot. So right. I really like, did like that. I, I, it, that still insults me. If you talk, if you talk about my brother and he, he's kind of like holding the hilt of his sword when he says it too, there was definitely some threat there behind that of, <laughs> I can say this about the King. You cannot say this about the King. Yes. Um, but yeah, it, this is, I like this episode because you kind of, it's, I think episode one really introduced everyone back into the world and had some, you know, big dramatic consequences to the events of that episode. And this one kind of is, is everyone's kind of picking a side. It's going to set up for future conflicts that are going to happen down the road. Yeah. There, one of the things that I actually kind of liked about this episode is that uh, Rhaenyra Targaryen, the princess and the heir to the Iron Throne, uh, has the same thought that I do every time there's a conflict in Game of Thrones, which is, why don't we just use the dragons? <laughs> yeah, and she's right, and not to actually use use them, but like she says, as a show of force. Yeah, like don't remind remind us. people what we have. We have dragons. So, there's there is a uh, a rebellion of sorts that's going on in the shipping lanes. Uh, this guy is feeding people to crabs. Um, he has weird. what appears to be a pretty deformed face, based off of the footage that I've seen. Um, he has yeah, some kind of mask, I think. Also, yeah, kind of, uh, yeah, he's called like the crab feeder is his name, and he's he's killing Westerosians and he's threatening their shipping lanes. Yeah, um, and Rhaenyra says. We send, you know, they're they're arguing whether they should send the navy, you know, would that start a war, whatever. Right here, it's like, why don't you just send dragon riders? Like, you've got yeah. and she proves got 10 dragons. This like, let's just hop on their backs and go kill these people. You know, whenever she goes without permission, goes to right, which is that's the big the, tie in here is because yeah. everybody in, in the small council kind of looks at her and it's like little girl like great idea but you just don't understand how this works and then she just goes and does it and it works <laughs> but in yeah. a different situation i think that also that whole dynamic between damon and Rhaenyra, you can tell like he has affection towards her in some capacity he loves her yes he 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 sees her as his flesh and blood and that was one of the things that I liked in this scene where she rides her dragon. So Damon has stolen um, the dragon egg that was supposed to belong to her younger brother who died right after he was born. Um, lies to his brother about he's about to marry this woman and she's pregnant. They're not about to get married. She's not pregnant. Um, but he, he's basically he's trying to get a rise out of his brother. It looks like he's yeah. trying to start some kind of conflict. 
Rhaenyra shows up on her dragon to balance out the threat of Damon the dragon, essentially, um, and says, look, if you're going to do this, like if what you're deciding that you need is the Iron Throne and you're pissed off at my dad, your brother, about this, um, you're still going to have to kill me because I've been named the heir. So if you're going to kill me, just do it or don't. And you can see that there's a, a realism that hits him. I think Matt Smith does a very good job acting out in this scene Yeah, um, where the concept of usurping his brother and taking the throne, thinking his brother is weak, thinking that he is the one that's destined to be king and we would be better at it. When he thinks about it in the abstract, it's easy. It's great. But when you're faced with the realities of things that you would have to do for this to actually become real, he's like, okay, you know, fine. I'm not going to do that right now. Doesn't mean he's not capable of it, but um, he was not going to end up going to war that day with the knowledge that I would have to kill the niece who I who I do indeed love yeah. to get my end goal. And there's a good um, back and forth between him and Kristen Cole, who is named um, to the Kingsguard, because I guess um, their one died in his sleep or died peacefully. Correct. Yeah, they're one of their older ones died, and Kristen Cole is the only um, person that is that passes the trials that has also seen real combat. Yes, and so you know, Damon makes a you know comment to Kristen Cole, and then um, he kind of retorts back to him about how he he remembers knocking him off his horse, which to which Damon kind of chuckled and was like amused by this, and that's kind of like I like that part of you know damon's personality where he 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 thrives it seems like on that like back and forth like even in the you know verbal combat between someone damon is a is a pre-twitter twitter troll yeah like he he does <laughs> nothing he says when he's upset at somebody is in good faith like of course he remembers who you are but he knows it's going to get a rise of the Kristen cole who then has to rebut and then he knows he's got you and he can he he's it's he's very good at it i think matt smith does a great job of acting it out yeah. um I, I i like damon so far he's he's one of my favorite characters i think rainero so far is my favorite yeah. character i'm totally like team damon right now like he is my, probably my favorite character um, but I am glad you brought up the Kristen Cole piece because this is the second episode in a row that there has been talk of lack of combat knowledge with the current knights in the realm. In the um, in the very first episode when the tournament was going on, um, they mentioned that yeah, the reason they're so kind of violent in these games is because none of these guys has ever actually gone to combat and killed each other. Um, and then in this one. Rhaenyra mentions that, hey, Cole's the only one that's ever actually seen real combat. Yeah. Um, I think what we're going to see is because that theme is being brought up over and over again, I think we're eventually going to see conflict with the crab eater and his his little group of people. Um, and it may be Damon in the gold cloaks. It may be the king and some army that he puts together. But they're going to go and they're going to face off against this kind of... Um, this rebellion threat who is fighting right now um, is probably training in different ways. And these groups of knights are going to go out there having never actually faced any, any real combat and are going to get beat. I think, I think that's what we're heading towards right now is 
there is a rude awakening that is going to be hitting the status quo and the powers that be in King's Landing that their armies may not be as strong uh, as they thought they were just because we've seen such a long period of peace where they haven't actually had armies that are fighting. Yeah. Did you watch the, I don't know, do you have like cable cable or do you like stream it? Uh, I stream it on HBO Max. Okay. So did you watch the like... I guess it's like next on or upcoming. Yeah, the 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 post credits next week thing yeah. I did. Okay. In that, it does seem to be the case that there is there is going to be some kind of fighting with the crab feeder. Yes. And that a dragon is going to come in and save the day. Did you notice the same thing I did? Did that look in in the next week preview? Did it look like that was Rhaenyra's dragon that was coming to save the day to you? I couldn't tell. I mean, I assumed it was um, Damon's because he's already aligned so, with Corliss at this point. So correct. I think this is my working theory because when I when I, I've only looked at it once, I'll, I'll go back and watch it, and I could be wrong. But the dragon looked more of that yellow color, whereas yeah. Damon's is kind of the black and red. Also, D- Damon's is has a super long neck, like it's kind of yeah. Deformed. He's more it's serpent like. It's almost like a snake. Yeah, um, but. It looked like Rhaenyra's dragon. And what I'm wondering that we're going to see is that Corliss Valerian convinces Damon to take the gold cloaks, his little army, the city guard, to go fight this, this crab dude. They're going to get out there. And the only fighting, quote unquote, that they've ever done is all the maiming of people in King's Landing that they've done. They're going to get out there and they are going to get overwhelmed. They're going to get their, their asses kicked. For whatever reason, Damon won't have brought his own dragon. And because for whatever Targaryens just love not using their dragons. Um, and I think Rhaenyra shows up and saves him. And that is Rhaenyra's way of a bucking the idea that she is only there for childbirth. That, you know, the, the thing they say in, in episode one, that that's a woman's battlefield is childbirth. She's going to physically show up on a battlefield with her dragon, save the day. It's going. So it's going to that's that's point one. Like, I don't have to get married. I don't have to do all the things that you say a woman has to do. I just saved our butts, killed this grab fe- crab feeder dude. And the second piece of it is it's going to make her look stronger um, than Damon does. That That's my theory here is she's the one that's going to come in and save the day on her dragon. Also, I noticed in the uh, next on or whatever we call it, the little stinger, there, it seems to be there's going to be a time jump as well. Yes, uh, I'm guessing about a year. Because there's a, a new... Targaryen there will be a baby. Prince. Yes. yes. Aegon Targaryen will be born, um, who is... Uh, will be half Hightower, half Targaryen. Yeah. So there was a six-month... There was a six-month time gap between episode one and episode two here, so... Yeah, so... Yeah, because it says he's been on, on Dragonstone for... Six well, months. and they talk multiple he's times about there. how... How his yeah. wife died six months ago. Yeah. So, and, and they say he's been living there and Dame has been living on Dragonstone for six months also. So correct. they kind of set that. This is how this is from episode one. Here's how long it's been. They kind of give you the, the viewer that information in, in a couple of different ways. So, yeah, I think there'll be you're not going to see like five years later, you know, text on the screen. You're going to they're going to tell you based on their conversations if there is a time jump or just naturally when you see a child born of this new marriage 
or not even born, but like, this is a, like you said, like a one-year-old child. It's there's, there's a t- time has passed. Correct. So I think this is probably going to be a year to 18 months in the future. Uh, at some point in the third episode, and maybe we start off sooner and then we, we maybe, who knows, maybe we get a six months later thing, but um, yeah, I, it does look like we're going to have a significant time jump um, in the next episode. One of the things that I liked about this episode more than episode one also was that we got no mention of Jon Snow or the prince who was promised or anything like that. Oh yeah. Cause they, um, I guess last week they had like, in the coming they teased it. thing they, they yeah they teased that this is going to be a recurring theme in the show is discovering not. information about the show that we've already watched <laughs> yeah so i hope and we had a conversation with um our friend of the show peter pope and i kind of echo his sentiments where i hope it's not like a recurring theme i think it will be i just hope it's not it's not a important one i i hope that if they're gonna do it it's just that every like three episodes or so they're like "Eh, you remember game of thrones (laughs) like because i don't think i don't think there's gonna be none just based off of what i saw at like you know in the coming episodes uh after the first episode there was multiple mentions to the original game of thrones series and the prince who was promised and and all that stuff speaking Um, of prince who was promised I have, I have a working theory. This doesn't have to do with this series, but it is a Game of Thrones series. Okay, go we, for it. We mentioned that there's in talks with this Jon Snow like sequel, right? Uh, so maybe there's more to the story that we don't know yet. Maybe the he, I'm thinking, and this is just off the cuff, like from what I understand about that whole, how that came about is like Kit Harrington's like on board and like, hired his own like team of writers to develop a story. And so maybe this Prince was a promised story. This prophecy is something that is yet to happen in our original game of Thrones timeline, considering he does go North of the wall and um, is Targaryen as we know. So, and apparently now these are rumors that he wants to kind of like, fix how his character ended the show yeah I, I i've always remembered seeing the table read that they did of the end of the show and yeah you could tell there wasn't a single per, single actor that was sitting there at that table read that was like oh this is great we're pleased with this so maybe it could be we're gonna set up and remind everyone about the prince was promised to to seed this sequel of Game of Thrones that carries on from the Jon Snow storyline. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what the tie-in is. But and I like, agree. It's literally I, I hope it's not. Uh, I hope it's. I just hope it's not a central theme. I already yeah, know what happens. I watched that show. <laughs> I don't need you to tell me about it. And I, I'm I'm with you. And just because there's so much you could tell with what this story's already been written, you know, Fire and Blood, it's completed. You don't have to allude or remind people uh to game of thrones and all those prophecies that because we saw like you said we saw what happened we're in this story and i'm i'm like i'm, I'm in this story i want to see the you know this targaryen civil war that's going to break out i'm i'm interested in this dragon, yeah, this dragon is, fighting yeah, i want to cool. see a contained targaryen civil war story that's all i need don't need the other stuff don't need it i think we're going to get it though this this episode gave me that hope because they didn't touch on it a single time 
Yeah. And it was intriguing. And it in its own vacuum, it was a good story. It was a very good episode. And it has me excited to see what's going to happen next. Yes. So, so I, I, I'm not too worried about it being a central theme uh, based off of just this second episode. So, but I liked it. I liked the episode. Um, I think we both like this episode and kind of what it did to establish where everyone is in their current state, the current state in their relation to the king, relation to the realm, and what they're doing and what their uh, motivations are. Absolutely. All right, Matt, anything else? Anything else that caught your eye about this episode? Um, think, think. Uh, so you, I want nothing about this episode, but it does have to do with the show. So the this part of Fire, Fire and Blood, this section that deals is is like it's a like if you go by Fire and Blood, it's like a it's a couple chapters, like I think three chapters. You know, there's heirs of the dragon. There's a couple different um, chapters that deal with what they're telling in this story. So I don't. I wonder. Do you have any thoughts? Like, are they going to draw out those this particular part of Fire and Blood for multiple seasons, or do you see House of the Dragon being kind of a anthology to where you can go back and forth through Targaryen history to tell a specific story about the House know. of the Dragon? That's a good question. I haven't thought about that. It's I will have a better answer for you five or six episodes in, but I can't tell through two episodes. If we continue to do the time jumping where it's big chunks of time between each episode, I have a feeling it's going to be the, the coverage is going to be much larger. If we get to a point where that slows down and we start getting episodes that the time jumping is days or weeks, then I think it's going to be little portions. Yeah, because I think there is. He had a couple of short stories, you know, where he talked about Damon, uh, George R. R. Martin, that is, that told the story about Damon Targaryen. And it was enclosed, uh, I think the chapter in Fire and Blood is called The Rogue Prince. And then there's another short story um, where it details the story of the disagreement between the, the two queens, you know, Rhaenyra and then Alicent. So. I, I was just curious, like, are they going to do a lot of the palace intrigue type stuff? Or, and then we're eventually going to get to war? Kind of how, like, Game of Thrones did. You know, that, that whole season, it led up to the, you know, the North rebelling, you know? And yeah, that's true. I mean, we, in first season of Game of Thrones, we are years removed from war robert baratheon's been king for a while there's really nothing going on in the kingdom battle wise similar to this and now game of thrones season one wasn't 60 years of peace i think it was more like what 18 years probably however old Jon snow was yeah Um, that's that's how long the peace has been going on but you know, so maybe 20 years at this point. So you've had like 20 years of peace with Bar- Robert Baratheon just getting fat and, you know, not siring his own ch- children, except for a handful of bastards that are out there. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. This will that'll, that'll be interesting to see. I, th- I think you're right. I think it's going to be palace intrigue, palace intrigue, palace intrigue, big battle, 
uh, I think it's going to be the same like uh, that we got out of the later seasons of Game of Thrones, which were like palace intrigue, some cool set pieces. And then the second to last, the penultimate episode would have some big battle set piece. And then the final episode would be the consequences of what happened in that battle. Plus a cliffhanger. That's that's how I see it going. We'll get the yeah. battle in the second to last episode. And that episode will be directed by Miguel Sapochnik. Yeah, because he does battle episodes really well. Right. So this whole like um this current battle or this current conflict that with the the crab people um on the stepstones, that's a big part of like the story of of Damon's story in Fire and Blood. You know, that's a that's a big deal, like the conquest of the stepstones to where well let me ask you this. How well, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into spoilers. But anyway, it's a big deal. So I think you're going to see, like you said, the set pieces. You're going to see a lot of like battle and action, you know, battle set pieces dealing with this particular conquest of the Stepstones with Corliss and Damon. And like you said, maybe even um, the Westeros soldiers as well. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be like your early big set piece. And then you're going to get back to palace entry type of stuff before, like you said, it gets, it culminates towards the end of the season. Yeah. Second to last, that's going to be your big bad episode. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope because that was kind of the big deal with Game of Thrones. Like, you know, like episode nine, that's like right. an ultimate episode is going to be, there's going to be something happen. Either a big battle or someone's going to lose their life that we have grown to know over the course of this season or multiple people are going to lose their lives in the, in the case of like season three to where like a lot of beloved characters are going to die. And so I hope they keep that part of the whole like game of Thrones experience. Yeah. That it's as uh, Sophie Turner said, what's the point in being a game of Thrones if you don't get a cool death? Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's all my thoughts. Um, anything else that you're media-wise or pop culture that you're keyed into right now? I do have to mention one thing because somebody asked me to do this. Uh, but I, I, I am a fantasy football player, not as adamant as I used to be probably 10 years ago, but I am in a number of leagues. But uh, this year, for the first time ever, I'm in a college football um league and uh i joined it uh, i got invited by our twitter friend jack ryan invited me to join um him and some of his uh, uh fellow friends uh, out in atlanta where he's from um are starting this college football leagues so they they brought me in and i drafted tonight i took cj stroud with my first pick because uh, the scoring in that Good league choice. is heavy heavy quarterback scoring and quarterbacks went off the board super fast so um i i think i, I think i'm gonna win the league um, I, I, my last pick, I took Blake Shapen just because I had to, um, <laughs> but, uh, excited to play that. So Jack, thank you. But yeah, so first ever I'm doing college football fantasy. I'm excited about this. I've never done it before. I've done college football fantasy. I think once before I mean, I'm not as big into fantasy as I used to be. I have one league that I've been in for like five years. That I've just stayed up with, but, and then, you know, I may add a league here and there, like if someone starts one up and I get an invite, I'm like, yeah, I'll jump on and, and play. But I have done college fantasy. Um, 
I do know that the year I did it was with um, was it Jonathan Taylor, the Wisconsin running back? He was my running yes. back, and he was very good to me. I love that guy from that point forward. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, that's uh, our draft. I think is in two days. Our regular fantasy football draft. So, just a regular NFL draft. So, that'll be something to look forward to. And if you all play fantasy out there, send me your uh, suggestions, please. Yeah, absolutely. I have no idea what I'm going to do in my <laughs> NFL fantasy, but I'm in like four leagues. Yeah, I used to be that guy, but I just can't give that much energy anymore to it. I just don't give that much energy. It's just every Sunday I'll just log in and be like, okay. Well, I just can't sure. keep up with it because I've done that. And then I think I have a player in one league and then he's in a different league and he's not on my team. And the reason I, I started fantasy and I'm a football fan, but no, normally I was like, I follow my team. You know, that's kind of, that's kind of how I was with NFL. Um, but someone told me once like, well, they, I play fantasy because on top of like just the competitive nature of it, you also, it gives me a reason to watch these other games that I wouldn't necessarily have any kind of uh stake in. So See, I used to do that, but playing. I just, I just don't care enough. Like, like I'm not going to watch a Jacksonville game because I have the running back. Just, I'm, I'll just, I'll look up the score later. <laughs> I don't. I. I don't know. I'm. I'm so much more into college college football than I am in the well, NFL. Yeah. It's probably because I, when the Texans are good, I get really into football, into NFL football. When the Texans are bad, I don't get into NFL football. So the Texans are bad. So I'm not really in NFL football right now. I like to hate watch NFL games. Like I do do that. I will that I do that for sure. And then just oh, I'll watch this so. Titans game if they're losing by 21. Hell yeah, I'll put that on. Um. But like for me, like I'm, I call myself a Cowboys fan. I grew up a Cowboys fan. I'm not deep into it like I used to be. Like where I follow like all the you know podcasts. Like I do college football. I'll keep up with it. Very, it's very tangential in my life. Um, but you know, I'm, when I move back to Texas, it's going to be heavy Cowboys rotation. You're always going to have a Cowboys and Houston game on generally. Um, it's been weird being away from Texas for so many years because if it's, yeah, especially it having an NFC team in your state. Yeah. So if they conf- conflicts with the, uh, the saints, I don't get to watch Cowboys. And so I've been so far removed. I'm not as like entrenched into like the goings ons of, you know, what the team makeup and things like that. Yeah. And moving back to Waco, that's a Cowboys city. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, and of course it's going to be more of a, it'll be more kind of ingrained once I get back there, but it's been weird to be away from have a team that you root for, but you're not in the day-to-day like news cycle of what's going on with the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So you, you'll become uh, an insufferable Cowboys fan sooner, but sooner than you, sooner, than, sooner rather than later. God, being here, being here and like, you know, watching Saints games and I root for the Saints. Of course, uh, my wife's a Saints fan. You know, she likes the Saints. But when when it's like when you watch the games, like if they win, that's great. I'm happy for them. When they lose, well, too bad. I don't care. I move on, <laughs> you know. But yeah. like with Cowboys, it's like when they win, 
uh, yeah, they could have blown it. They didn't win that much. They're probably still crap. And if they lose, yeah, it ruins my day. And so <laughs> it's a completely different dynamic with them. See, with the Texans, because I just expect them to be four and 13 this year. I'm just, I will watch every game and just will not care what happens. Worst thing that ever happened to me was the Cowboys winning Super Bowls when I was um, coming into my like football fandom. And then from that day, from that point forward, there haven't been any Super Bowls. And so I mean, now at least like, you got I tasted to see one. this, like, like these, these Super Bowl wins when I was like 14, 15, 16 years old. And then since that was, since I was a teenager, I haven't been back to the Super Bowl. My team hasn't. And that's the worst thing. I would rather be a Texans fan and not have tasted that. It's kind of like being, it's no, you wouldn't. Like being a, no, you a, wouldn't trust a me. Longhorn fan. Like, yeah, you won in 05, but you've been horrible since then. Yeah, but I would, I would, I would trade, I would trade Baylor for Baylor to win the 2020 new national title. I would trade that for 20 years of crap in a heartbeat. Give me my national title. I don't care. You're right. Give me my one. I'm thinking about now. I'm thinking about the the men's national championship, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, because we got it. You can't take it away from me. I don't care what you say. My team won. Oh yeah, you say whatever you want. I can always go back say, yeah, we won national championship. Yep, forever. I'm looking at a piece of the court from the game right now. There's a piece of the court from the game sitting in my room. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, that's that's all I got for today. That's all I got to. We're at, we're a little over an hour and a half anyway. So yeah. So Joe, where can people find you if they want to um, interact with you or get more of your content? You can always find me on Twitter at the underscore Joe underscore Goodman. Um, come say hey. Uh, watch me poke and prod at Iowa State fans and the uh, fleeting nature of how long their coach will stay. Um, it's so funny how many of them don't get the agent joke. Um, but anyway. Um, you can find me there on Twitter. And then uh, for other content that I've got coming out, uh, you can check out ourdailybears.com, uh, where I do regularly have uh, some stuff coming out there. Most recently, threw up a why your team will and won't win the Big 12 championship this year, which got some uh, pretty fun that? reaction from a different from a few different fan reactions. bases. Who, based on your interactions or the interactions with the, uh, the Our Daily Bears Twitter feed or whoever posted it, who what fan base was the best interaction as far as like that's fair yes i think they hit it spot on and who was the one that was the the angriest at your your take hmm the angriest at my take was <laughs> there was a mix i don't know if anybody was actually angry You're at not it not angry but like felt I, iowa state base. i got uh, so with some of the iowa state folks that i mentioned i got some like what you know why'd you say this about us um and then i had to I, I tweeted out like if you get mad at me about the why you won't win just my recommendation is go back and read the the positive part that I wrote about your team too so i had to i had to remind some iowa state fans of that but overall they were pretty level-headed tech uh tech was the funniest because they just took like uh, the gambling gauchos podcast great follow on twitter um they just took the screenshot of why tech will win it and tweeted a picture out of that. So yeah. I got a ton of interaction there. Um, I also got a lot of very funny, uh, there was a lot of very funny comments there of people that clearly didn't read the article that were like, even, even Baylor's recognizing us. And um, 
I, I can't, I think it was either ESPN or Fox, the radio station in Lubbock, uh, tweeted it out and said, tweeted out just the picture of why they would. And it said like, uh, Waco capitulating as expected. And I was like, Oh buddy, you clearly didn't read the, uh, the second half of that. <laughs> really so, concerned for them. Um, their fan base. I really am. Because they have it, yeah, these, they, uh, this high they dove on it. Expectation. Like they, now it may not be everybody. I'm not going to speak for the whole fan base, but they, the, the athletic accounts and the Texas Tech football, you know, their main accounts, they do a lot of like, there's a lot of like big hype going on with Texas Tech. Well, do you know why that is? They've got uh, Mr. Patrick Clancy, the, um, the guy that used to be the videographer and did all the hype videos for Baylor when Matt Rule was here. And their, their fan base, at least on Twitter, they really latched onto this and there, there's a lot of hype for them. And I think, I don't think they're going to be very good. And so no, I'm they concerned won't, they for won't their mental year. health and their like their well being actually. And I want them just to, everything's fine. No matter what happens, you, everything's <laughs> fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. Everything will be okay. Um, Matt, if they want to find out if everything's going to be okay, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Matt underscore Workman on Twitter. Um, you can find the podcast at the Baird Pod also on Twitter. Uh, you can find the podcast anywhere that you can get podcasts. You can find it on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, all that jazz. Anchor, all those good places. Yes, all those good places. Excellent. But well, Matt, that's all next week we will have officially have a podcast that will recap a real live Baylor football game. Yes. And we'll have multiple Big 12 games to talk about. And there's surely going to be an upset or two that happens in week one. There's going to be some blowouts. Some teams are going to be not as good as people thought they were. It's just going to be a great time. Woo. Can't wait. Until then, sick and bears, man. Sick and bears. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.